Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. We have eclipsed the episode 200 landmark. By the way, hope you guys enjoyed what you heard last week with Kyle Larson, Young Money with no O, as he explained. Uh, we are rolling right along. Nothing's really going to change. We're going to do our same format, our same intro, our same music, same reggaeton, same everything. And uh, that will not stop this week. As you see, episode 201, our guest is Patrick Donahue, crew chief for Big Machine Racing and Parker Kligerman over on the 48 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They are in the playoffs, and it's a big deal for him, Parker, Scott Borchetta, everybody over at Big Machine Racing. So wanted to get Patrick on the show to provide his perspective on that, especially as somebody who has been around the block a time or two or three or four. Sorry to age you, Patrick. And uh, I learned a few things about Patrick, and it now makes a bit more sense why he was the man that was tabbed to lead the brigade to start the team, basically. So excited for you guys to hear that chat with Patrick. Also going to chit-chat a bit about Kansas and look ahead to... Bristol, baby. The round of 16 cutoff for the NASCAR Cup Series. Before we do any of that, and before we get the episode started, we need to do it right. And that is with a Wayback segment with Papa Siegel. Now, he is going to be doing something different from now on since we have eclipsed the episode 200, and he will explain that to you. Take it away, Papa. Thank you, Duve, and welcome one and all to episode 201. Mama Siegel and I were enjoying some time away last week. So we couldn't be with you all to usher in Davy's summiting of Mount 200. Regardless, belated congratulations to our host from two of his biggest fans. Kachiga. I hope you're as proud of the accomplishment as we are for you. I'm a week late, but the Wayback Machine has used the extra time to dial up a remembrance not of number zero, not of number double zero, but of number 200. That's right. Back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for NASCAR wheelmen to race three-digit numbered cars. Our honoree today raced number 200 four times during the 1950s. That man was Jack Smith, who you likely haven't heard of, but who won 21 races during his NASCAR Cup Series career. Smith was informally known as Superman because he was born in the southern Illinois town of Metropolis, but also because of his hulking, strong-arm physique that allowed him to manhandle the cars of that era. Think of a back-in-the-day version of Ryan Newman. They were different times, my friends, when drivers literally put their lives on the line when they buckled themselves into a stock bench seat with only a lap belt, and we'd climb from their cars at the end of a long race, covered in dirt and grime, often with blood dripping from their hands. Smith was one of those tough guys. He tested the new Atlanta track 
1960, before guardrails had been installed, and he was one of the few to fly over the fence in Darlington and live to tell about it. Smith's 21 wins were as many as Hall of Famers Benny Parsons and Bobby Labonte, leading many to question why Smith wasn't named as one of the sport's 75 drivers of all time. Only a handful of other drivers have won that many races and aren't residents in the Charlotte HOF. That's all for this week. Congrats again, my boy, on reaching the height of Mount 200. Keep it rolling. Back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad, and thank you, Mom. As always, appreciate that. Looking forward to some more Wayback segments as it pertains to, well, whatever the heck's going on in that big old cranium of yours, Dad. So thank you, as always. Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned... And throw it straight over to our interview with Patrick Donahue, crew chief of the 48 of Big Machine Racing, with Parker Kligerman, Scott Borchetta, and everybody over there at BMR. Again, this playoff berth is not necessarily unexpected, but it is still a big, big deal. Patrick explains why, how, who, what, where, everything that went into getting this team off the ground and why this is actually nothing new for him which admittedly I did not know, being a bit of a youngin', so he explained that to me in depth, which I was interested to hear about. Chatted a bit about some other ventures that he's had in his motorsports career, working with a very young Jeff Gordon, some BK racing stories. You will not want to miss those. And also, what does he think realistic expectations are for this team, Big Machine Racing, in the 2023 Xfinity Series playoffs? The answer to that question and so much more lie ahead in this chat. Here is that chat with Patrick Donahue of Big Machine Racing. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today, crew chief of the 48 for Big Machine Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And I'm also very happy to say a playoff crew chief at that. It is Patrick Donahue. I'm sure that those words sound pretty good to you after the season that you guys have gone through. Highs, lows, everything in between but you can now call yourself a playoff team, Patrick. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Uh, it does sound nice. <laughs> I'm sure it does. And especially given the season that you guys have had to this point, as I mentioned, you've had some highs, you've had some lows, mechanical failures, people running India at the worst possible times. I'm sure that the fact that you guys went through the ringer to get to this point made it a little bit sweeter, the fact that you guys were to secure that playoff berth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... Um... For the most part, we've haven't had a whole lot of problems. Um, we had a problem at Coda, um, and we got we got wrecked at uh, where was it Dover, and then uh, we got we were, I think we were closest we ever were uh, New Hampshire in points, and then we had a restart mishap, and that knocked us out, and and it bloodied our nose a little bit, and then um, but we fought back. I mean, we never gave up, and it was like we just we pulled our. Uh, big boy pants on and just kept, kept working. Uh, I mean, as a, as a group, we knew we could do it. And, um, and, and the goal was to, to be here. So to achieve that Saturday afternoon was, was, uh, rewarding. Um, three years ago when, when Scott and I started this, this, the, the 48 car w was, was started and built to, to do just what we did on Saturday. So to get there, that was uh, rewarding, satisfactory, and and uh, it was good to have Scott there and uh, for him to be able to to enjoy it also. So yeah, it was. Um, it's been a 
uh, very exciting last few weeks, and and um, but we're uh, looking forward to the challenge ahead for sure. You mentioned that you were with Scott when you guys first launched this team and this idea off the ground three years ago or so. Mm-hmm. How much more satisfaction do you get out of this specific playoff berth, knowing that you have been there literally from day one, maybe even day zero? No, it was day zero, um, and it's so funny. I'm gonna back up a little bit. I was a couple weeks ago in Daytona when we're running up front and we're battling for the win and I was sitting there and, and I got thinking three years ago, uh, January 1st, uh, my son and I were in New Smyrna uh, at the Speedway with Jade Buford. We had uh, put him in a late model uh, down there and it was the first time he'd ever gone in a circle. And, and uh, January 1st, um, we were uh, New Year's Day, we were, we were racing and uh, we came home um, the next day and my son and I are driving up 95 and we had nothing, had no employees. I didn't have a hauler, a bump stop, a battery, nothing. And, uh, and I can remember I, all the way home, I was calling, trying to, uh, find people, find employees to hire and, and put all the, the little pieces together. And, and so when I was sitting there that Friday night, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, how far have we come from not even knowing how we're going to do all this and, uh, and to, to, be up there at, uh, contending uh, like we were. So uh, those are the little memories that I have that that make it all worthwhile. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it was it's it's been a, a real fun journey. And a, uh, I'm going to write a little little book about it someday. Yeah, I will buy it and I will read it for sure. You ain't got to worry yeah. about that. Um, I'm sure that the fact that you have, as you mentioned, built the team from nothing, basically, mm-hmm. as the crew chief, sure, Scott, is the brains behind it and the financial advisor behind it, but you've been the one that's making the calls, slinging the deals, setting up the cars, et cetera, et cetera. Is that the first time that you had done something like that for a race team in any three of NASCAR's national series? I know you've been around for a long time. I'm on the younger side, so please educate me, enlighten me. So uh, way back in 1998, I got asked, uh, I was working at Hendrick Motorsports on the 24 car, and uh, Ray and Jeff asked me to go start the Pepsi Bush car for the 1999 season. Okay. I got handed uh, two Ronnie Hopkins chassis in an empty building. And uh, I was so uh, I'm not going to say how uh, young I was, but I was uh, pretty young. And they said, you got to be in Vegas on uh, in March. And uh, we're going to run five races with uh, with Jeff driving. And we had nothing again. We were kids. And um, that ended up a uh, young man, I should say, working on that car. And uh, again, nothing. We we had, like I said, two bare chassis. We had to order a hauler and and put everything together. It was a real small deal. But so I learned uh, trial by fire. Uh, Ray was there to assist when needed, but they were focusing on the cup car. Um, so that was my first um, opportunity to do something like that. Um, I was too young and naive to even understand the the magnitude of what I had to do, but it didn't matter. We got it done. Um, and uh, we went to, I think we went to Vegas and we, I think we, I think we qualified fourth and finished second or something like that. We had a really good day. Very and cool. then, uh, um, so then fast forward, I went to work for Ray when we did the, 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 uh, the Dodge cup team. Um, and that was, uh, uh you know, wasn't all on my shoulders, sure. uh, but I was uh, certainly a part of, uh, I was Casey Atwood's crew chief when we started that deal. Um, so went through a big learning curve there. And, um, so I've, I've started many, uh, race teams and, uh, but, uh, none of his have been probably as successful in a short amount of time like this was, 
I, I shouldn't say that we won. We won our the sixth race with a Pepsi Bush car. So that's not totally true. But um, but as far as uh, from nothing like we did in today's time, this has probably been the, the biggest uh, uh, undertaking in the last few years, really. Third time's a charm. This one seemed like a piece of cake, Patrick. No, 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 no. It was not a piece of cake. And you know, you just focus on like the first year was the basics. Okay. Like get to the racetrack and then, and, and get running and then get running good. And then, uh, and then build from there. And luckily we showed enough promise that, that Scott allowed us to to go to the next level, moved here to welcome uh, and, and get an RCR Alliance, lease ECR motors. And, um, and, and so and what, that's exactly it's, I got everything that I wanted and asked for. And um, so, you know, I, all I wanted was access to what I call the, the, the library of RCR. And, and, uh, and that's what I've uh, been given. Uh, we still have to put the work in and, and decide what's best for the 48 car and Parker. But, uh, but if, if I ever need help or I have a question, it's right here and welcome. And, and uh, there's a lot of people here that, that have gone out of the way to, to uh, assist us get to this point for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't ever forget that, but, you know, we are, we are very, very lucky to have, uh, the resources to, um, to do this right. And that's what we try to do. You can, the team can do all they can, but if they don't have a good driver holding the steering wheel, it's kind of a moot point. So you had Jade the first year, you had a rotating cast of characters last year and about a little over, I think a year ago, right now. Parker Kligerman gets announced as the driver full-time, something that he's been working for for a long, long time of the 48 car. You obviously have been the crew chief throughout it all. When you heard that Parker was going to be the guy, what was your reaction? Well, I, I was part of the decision. Um, I mean, let me back up a little bit. We had the fortune, once we made a change, we got to put a lot of different drivers and a lot of different personalities in the car and and at different tracks and not only were we able to learn what fit our personalities within the building it also allowed scott to see what he wanted out of it and and what what could be done with the with the driver's personality outside of the race car so as the year went on you know we learned all that stuff and and we we got to um experience everybody's different personalities and different driving styles and all that. Um, and, and then obviously we put Parker in at Talladega. It went very well. We had a, it was, it was relatively easy and, and we had a good, good result. Uh, Parker does what Parker does outside of the car and, and Scott really liked that. And then, um, you know, we, we had a discussion and he and I had about a, I don't know, a, a couple minute conversation and, 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 and we both agreed that Parker fit us best. It fit what Scott wanted and it fit what I wanted, you know, and, and um, you know, what I wanted was, was uh, I'm going to use this in who was our AJ Allmendinger. Okay. Who was, who was a little bit older driver that had a chip on his shoulder that wanted to prove a whole lot and, and come back and, and really stay on the gas pedal for us. And Parker ended up being that guy. Um, he, he wasn't on our list to begin with, but like I said, as the year went on, Parker was our guy and, and, uh, and he, he ended up being our AJ. And, uh, and I, and I say that because 
like uh, you know he he had a lot to prove. He really wanted to do this, and and uh, and we're giving him every opportunity to uh, to prove that, and he has. So you know that's kind of how we got here, and um, you know and Parker's done exceptional. We've got continuously better all year, and uh, and and I really. Like I said, when 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 we agreed on this, uh, it's 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 gone just like I thought it would. So uh, I'm I'm extremely pleased with that. You mentioned that you kind of have full access to everything that RCR provides. They obviously have had a hell of a season with Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed making the playoffs with you guys on the Xfinity Series side. Take us behind the scenes a little bit. What do you have access to? What information are you privy to? Who do you? have meetings with and and what's your day-to-day look like as it pertains to the information sharing that you guys get from the mothership so to speak well we have this historical information right and then there's there's weekly we have weekly pre-race meetings we have weekly post-race meetings we have um we have little get-togethers at the track as to post practice or qualifying um meetings where um, us, uh, the, the two and the 21 and the colleague crew chiefs all sit down and, and we discuss and we all know what each other's doing. They know what we do. And, 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 uh, and, and likewise, we can see what, what, um, you know, they're running their cars as far as setup wise. And, and, uh, so, you know, sometimes when I'll use an example of last week in Kansas, we're like, Hey, our cars feel a little bit loose and we're struggling with this. And we tried, you know, tried these couple things well, it's nice to be able to sit down and know that you're not on an island or, hey, you, you know, one of the other teams tried making a wedge adjustment and it didn't do what they wanted, you know, and you're like, OK, well, that that backs up what we we tried and it right. didn't work. So um, a lot of times um, it, it's more of a, uh, you know, a, a justification of, OK, we're not crazy and and uh, and we're all fighting the same problem. So um, but here at the shop. Um, you know, I have the same equipment as, as, uh, as, as the other RCR cars and colleague, um, you know, sometimes, like I told people, unfortunately we're racing, uh, six really good ra- or five really good race cars out of welcome and, you know, six, including ours for the top 12, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we wanted. We knew that going in, but you're like, okay, you start putting it, that's 50% of the field, right. right. In the playoffs. And, and then, uh, and likewise, you also have to answer on Saturday nights when, well, one guy's running up front and you're not why, you know, so, um, you gotta, you gotta accept it both ways and you gotta be man enough to, to, uh, to answer those questions. But, uh, you know, luckily we don't have to answer those questions too often. And somebody you have to answer those questions too is the boss man, Scott Borchetta. We've mentioned him a couple times. Uh, first off, was he going as crazy atop the pit box right next to you as it seemed like he was on TV? Because he was pretty animated, with good reason, by the way. Well, we were. Uh, he he was. You know, I was busy doing my job, and and uh, and he was sitting up there. And he normally he doesn't sit up there with me right. very, very very often. So for him to sit there all day, I was I was pleased. And and then. Uh, um, and the other funny part was he normally texts me during the race. He'll like text me and, and, uh, and say stuff or observations that he sees. So for him to be sitting beside behind me, I was like, Hey, um, go ahead and just text me normal. So I feel, <laughs> I feel like we're having a normal day, I but, love it. um, but yeah, you know, once we got going and, and, um, and we were having a good race and then as it got winding down and, and, uh, 
yeah, I mean, there was there was obviously reason to be animated and get excited. And, you know, and, uh, he he's just um, he really, really enjoys this and uh, and he loves to see us uh, race and, and do well. And, and he likes to see us like he calls us our children, how we've matured <laughs> and, uh, and how we get better, um, you know, and, and for me, I see it on a daily basis. So I don't always see the improvements for Scott. He sees it every Friday or Saturday, you know, he sees the, the, he, he, he only sees the big lump sum of the improvement where we're running better. He sees the speed or, you know, he sees the pit stops getting better or our adjustments getting better. And so um, he always tells me, he goes, you know, he says, Patrick, you don't see it, but I, he, he sees it differently, you know, and he sees how, how much, how far we've come. And then uh, so for him to be there and, uh, and get to, um, be part of it and uh, and be with the guys. It was good. He spoke to the guys before the race and gave everybody a little pep talk. And uh, it was it was just it was nice to that uh, that he was able to come. So actually, he's coming to Bristol. Um, he's going to come over and, and be part of it. And, and uh, so it's just uh, it's it's really good to uh, to have him around. As I've learned, you're obviously no stranger to starting up race teams, getting things off the ground, and you've been in the industry and around for going on a quarter century. Sorry to age you there a little bit, but. I do it with uh, I, I do it in admiration. Um, who approached who when it came to starting up big machine racing? Was it a mutual thing? Did Scott come to you? Did you go to him? Take me back to a few years ago when I guess it might have been 2020 into 2021 when this thing kind of first got rolling. Well, honestly, Ray Everham and Scott are are very good friends, and and uh, and and on, I went to work for Ray when I was 19 years old, so. Um, you know, Ray's still uh, a very good friend and, um, and I, I, I do, uh, still talk to him and, um, and he, he was a big part of putting all this together. Um, Scott was, um, sponsoring a car and, uh, and he wanted to be more than just a sponsor. He wanted to be, he wanted to be part owner and, and, uh, and, and, you know, some things didn't work out along the way. And, um, and I'll tell you, I didn't know Scott. I didn't know Scott Harley at all. I'd never met him in person until um, later on in the year, and um, uh, only talked to him on the phone. And he, um, uh, I'll be Ray Abraham told me one day we we're at uh, we we're at, uh, out at uh, the go kart track here in Mooresville, and Ray said, "Look, when if, if when Scott offers you a job, you just go to work for Scott. Whatever he wants you to do, just go to work for Scott." And uh, and I was like, "Okay." I'm like, you're telling you've you've never misguided me since I was in my teens, Ray. So and uh, and Scott called me and uh and he said, Hey, I want to do this. And and I was like, okay, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. And that was literally the the we we I think that was December 15th. Um and we uh um originally he said, Can we be ready by April? And uh, I was like, yeah, that's, that'll be fine. Well, that was COVID. So we were that, that year of COVID, we were, you didn't practice to qualify. So I was like, I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, wait a minute, that's not going to work. We got to go to all the races. Like we can't just show up. We got to, you know, the, there was only so many races you could time trial in. So we didn't go to Daytona and qualify. We couldn't have gone to the next five or six races. So I, I sent him a text message and I said, I said, Scott, we, you know, we have to go to Daytona. Like we, the way it is, we gotta, we, we're going to have to go to run all the races. And he said, and I'll never forget it. He goes, okay, whatever you want to do. And, uh, and that was it. That was, that was, that, uh, you know, uh, the decision-making was that easy. 
So uh, I went from uh, December 15th to to uh, being in Daytona and running all the races and 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 thankfully making all the races and um and here we are. So yeah, that was that that was the discussion to to start an Xfinity team. And uh, and I think at that point I had really I had only met Scott. I I, I sat with Ray or Ray and Scott in Atlanta in, in a motorhome uh, the uh, the end of November, and that was the only time that I'd been face to face with him. So uh, you know I'm I'm very fortunate. So you mentioned Jeff Gordon a little bit ago, um, going back a handful of years, some other drivers that when people may look up you and your racing reference page that you've crew chiefed in the past, Aaron Crocker, Ricky Hendrick, Brian Vickers, Michael McDowell, just to name a few. Is there anybody Mm -hmm. else that stands out among the rest, maybe for good or for bad, that you've worked with in the past that is a name from days gone by that you say to yourself, oh yeah, I do remember those days. Those were some good times, or maybe those weren't Mm -hmm. some good times. Well, you named them, you know, obviously I was spoiled, um, got to work with, with Jeff Gordon and, and look, I started there in 1993. Everybody knows the story about how many times we wrecked in 93. And then, um, and, and to be a part of that, I was, I was fortunate enough to win. I don't know, in that period of time, 50 some odd cup races, three championships, uh, you know, a lot of big races, but we didn't take it for granted. We were racing and we were racing and, and, and just doing our job. And um, so, uh, you know, looking back, you're like, wow, that was that was really a run. Obviously, uh, you know, everybody knows that story. But, yeah, I mean, we started the Pepsi Bush car and and little uh, Ricky Hendrick was part of that. We ran him in, in uh, I think, five races in 99. Mm-hmm. And um, and we took him to Myrtle Beach for his very first Bush race. And again, we're kids. Okay. And Jeff Gordon showed up to like driver coach for little Ricky. And um, he was the elder statesman of the group when he was there. That's how young we were. And uh, we went down there and we qualified fifth with little Ricky. And, uh, and, and again, we were ecstatic. We're like, we didn't even know, like we didn't even know what we were doing. You know, it's funny today, you know, you think you're like, you're the guy and all this, but we had no idea. We were, we were just kids. And uh, so you, you fast forward and, and um, Casey Atwood and, uh, like I said, Michael McDowell, Scott Speed, uh, David Reagan, um, you know, all it, it, all those drivers you learn something from. And, and uh, you know, they, they're all there's all pluses and minuses. Right. Everybody, there was good times and there was bad times. But every single one of them, you, I learned something from it. Um, you know, I, I made a living a long time uh, ARCA racing and and uh, and dealing with r- rookies, basically. Uh, not necessarily to to race him, but to full body stock cars. So, you know, I got Scott Speed. He had come out of an F1 car, and and he comes back to the states, and uh, and we throw him in an Arca car at Toledo, Ohio, or uh, maybe it was uh, Talladega, and uh, and then then we take him to Toledo, Ohio. This kid has been at Monaco, okay, <laughs> and we take him to Toledo, Ohio on a Saturday night. You know, it's like a big, it's a big difference. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, been a lot of fun. I've been very, very lucky over the years. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, and, and like I said, everybody does things a little bit differently and everybody drives a race car different. So, uh, probably, um, I've learned more by doing that than being, uh, you know, just not stuck, but really, you know, I had to focus on one driver. Um, you know, my, my, like I said, I made a living at trying to make 
this driver this year as best he can so that they can they can prove their uh, their talents. That's something that I think is really underappreciated with guys like you and other crew chiefs too, especially in Xfinity where, you know, last year it was a bit of a rideshare program. And I think of other cars in Xfinity, Sam Hunt Racing comes to mind, the JGR Xfinity car with Jason Ratcliffe leading the shots over there. Adjusting to different drivers week to week, different tracks, it seems kind of difficult, not just from a setup perspective, but from a human interest perspective, right? You got to be able to gel with that driver, know what they want, and they need to be able to gel with you. How have you found that to be successful in your 20 plus year career going from team to team with younger driver to veteran driver? It's not an easy task to navigate, but you've done it pretty well. Well, first off, you, if you're if you're confident in your program or your race cars and your people, you take that part out of it. And and when you're bringing in different drivers like we did last year, you're like, okay, obviously we have simulation and the simulator now, but back in the day you didn't, you just went testing, right? Like you, here, we'll just load up and we'll go over to Charlotte and we'll run some laps. You can't do that anymore. But as far as uh, the human side of it, obviously you get better as an, the older you get. Um, these Some of these drivers are the same age as my kids now. So, um, you know, you, you learn to, on a personal level, how to, how do you uh, communicate or what's important to that driver? Every driver walks in here and they, they have different things that are important to them. Some, some just show up and they get in the car and yep, it's got a seat. It's got seat belts in it. We're good to go. Other drivers show up. They're a little bit more picky as to their, their office inside the car. So, that's 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 usually number one like getting getting them adjusted and get them situated uh in, in the car and then from there you just build okay what what do they like how do they like to drive the car are they do they like to feel the right front do they like to feel the right rear do they do they not like it rolled over you know some things we can adjust and some things we can't um obviously our cars are very Aero sensitive. Everybody knows that. So the platform is what it is. And then, and then you work around that, but everybody has a little bit different characteristic. They like the brakes a little bit different. They like the steering to feel a little bit lighter, a little bit heavier, you know, and, and, and honestly, when you're firing through drivers, like we did last year, some of that gets overlooked because you're just, you're just, they're just the driver of the week or the driver for the next couple of weeks. You can't really fine tune and, and get it exactly like they want. When, when you put a full-time driver in there, then you start to narrow down, okay, this is the feel. This is, uh, this is how they like it to drive. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'll be honest, like this year, probably the first half of the year was a lot of fine tuning with Parker. He, he has a, he has a certain feel that he likes and, and we work through that week after week. Again, we can't go testing. We went to Charlotte testing and we accomplished a lot, but not anywhere near what we where from where we are in January 30th when we tested Charlotte to the way we went to Kansas two days ago, three days ago now. We are so far down the road and um, and not obviously bad because of our how we ran on Saturday, but that's a process that just takes time because we cannot go testing anymore and we can't uh, go spend two days at, at VIR and, and work through the, what Parker wants right. and how he likes it to feel, or we can't go back to Charlotte for a day and try some different front end settings. 
you have to try it on the fly and then say, yes, we like that or no, we don't. Again, we have teammates that we can look at and say, hey, they're 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 having success with this. We need to look at that and try that. So um, that's been our year. Um, I was very focused and clear on uh, as the year wound down, I wanted uh, the 48 car to be narrowed in on what we like and how we want to bring our race cars to the racetrack. And uh, the last few weeks, we've um, we really uh, focused on that. And, and so that we're not guessing as to how we want our race car set up and, and how we're going to unload. Now, we might we might burn on the cross with it, but we're we're going to we're going to stay pretty close to what we've been doing the last five or six weeks. Um, you know, we got a road course package sorted out. Obviously, our speedway package is, was super solid, and um, and we've been refining our mile and a half process, uh, process or setups, I should say. You know, and and I'm gonna back up a little bit. I was a hundred percent focused on our road course and our speedway program to start the year, and then we were we were picking away at at, at the other stuff as as the uh, the season went on. And, uh, and we have slowly narrowed that down. So I feel good about where we're going the next couple of weeks and, uh, and certainly know what we're going to unload with. And um, obviously Bristol's a, a, a little bit different animal, but, you know, I feel like we, we're, we're going to unload in a good spot. But, um, you know, the Roval, um, you know, we've run good on the road courses. That's been a strong suit of ours. So I'm looking forward to going there in a couple of weeks. A couple more quick hitters here that are a bit off the beaten path before I – let yeah. you go. Uh, oh. You're currently in the Xfinity series. You've obviously crew chief there in the truck series. You've also dipped your toe in the cup series uh, recently mm -hmm. in the 2010s with BK racing. I, I say the infamous yeah. BK racing. Uh, everybody that I've had on how the much, show. How much time do you have for this? We, we I know, have, right? I'm telling you. Yeah. I am telling yeah. you, man. I know you could probably go for hours on them. Oh, yeah. um, yes. You can share as much as you want, as little as you want. The, the, re the thing that I always ask my guests that have had any association with BK racing, whether it be a crew chief, a tire changer, a driver is, did you get paid? So did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a touchy subject. Uh, I'm sure yeah. it is. I'm sure. We, we, not what we were completely owed, but we, uh, um, we got a little bit, but nothing. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. And I still talk to a lot of people that work there as far as going to work every day and and having a group of people um, that got along, worked hard together, um, it was it was one of the best places I worked. As far as ownership, the worst place to ever work. But uh, the the man did not know what he had as far as a, as a race team. There was a, I mean, there was fifty or sixty people there at one time. Enjoyed going in there every day. Uh, everybody worked hard. Um, you know, probably our best year was, uh, the year that we had, um, uh, Matt and David, um, you know, we had decent, we had decent motors, um, and we had just bought all the stuff from Michael Waltrip and, uh, and there were times where we could be competitive, you know, making second round with BK racing at the time was a big deal, Huge. you know, and, uh, and when, when we did that, it was a big accomplishment for us to, to qualify in the top top 24 or 25, whatever it was. I, I can't remember. Um, but you know, that was, we took, we'd get excited over that, you know? And, and, um, and so there was, there was some, there was some highlights in that. And obviously there was some, some low times too, you know, like you said, uh, not getting paid and tire bills, not getting paid. Listen, we went to Kansas last week. 
we got left in Kansas. We had no way of getting home from Kansas. Okay, true story. You want to hear how bad everybody talks about how bad we had no way of traveling home from Kansas. And uh, and and after the race, uh, we um, we didn't know that. And uh, so we're getting ready and the guys coming up to me and they're like, hey, um, we haven't got an update like of when the plane starts boarding and all that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, well, we're you know, we're flying home on uh, Miami Air or whatever it was called at the time. And um, and so uh, I called the. Uh, the general manager at the time, and I said, hey, are you sure we have seats on this plane? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we load up and we're driving from the racetrack back to the Kansas City airport. It's only 20 minute drive, maybe. And I'm halfway there and he calls me, says, "Uh, you have no way of getting home. There are no seats on the plane. There was two cup teams that were stranded in Kansas. And um, and I'm like. Oh, boy. (laughs) Now what? So we I get to the airport and. uh, um. I just start going around to my friends and I and I'm like. I got as many people on airplanes that I could. Um, I think. I think I got everybody but six or seven of us home. I ended up staying and I think there was six or seven of us could not. I I had got all the possible seats and got everybody home that I could. And um, we ended up spending the night Sunday night in Kansas um, and we got commercial flights uh monday morning we were supposed to leave at 6 a.m i ne- long story short i never got home from kansas until five o'clock friday night oh. uh, i mean uh, not friday monday night okay, okay. and um and it, that was that was just one of many motors they won't start the motors because oh. the engine bill wasn't paid um it goes on and on chain on the front door because we hadn't paid the rent mm-hmm. um City of Charlotte shut the water off because we hadn't paid the water bill in Heard six months. Yep. You, you, it's, uh, they're all real. Um, every <laughs> single one of them. So, yep. We could do a whole nother, uh, hour of, of BK stories. I'm sure we could. And maybe that's a different story and a different time for a different day, but appreciate yeah. you sharing your side yeah. of things. Cause like I said, yeah. everybody that I have on that's had any tie with BK, I always have to ask them and, they all have very similar stories. I've heard the chain story. I've heard the uh, city shutting the water off. I did not yeah. hear about you guys getting stranded in Kansas. So I'm glad you made your way home. It, it must be like borderline PTSD. Yeah. Whenever you go back there, you're like, well, do I have my boarding pass? Okay, good. <laughs> what I will tell you is, is that it makes you appreciate, uh, reappreciate. It probably made me reappreciate a good place and a, and a good owner um, because um, now when I, I get on a plane and I hear somebody complaining that they got the wrong sandwich or they don't, they don't like the food that's on it. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go stand in the middle of tarmac and even wonder how you're going to get a <laughs> You seat. don't know how so, good you have it. Just you know, eat your or, tuna salad, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or get tires when you get to the racetrack. You know, right. there's a lot of things that sometimes we take for granted because, um, uh, we, we do have it. We're, we're pretty lucky, but once you go through something like that, um, and, and your paycheck is in the, in the bank account, uh, when it's supposed to be, uh, you know, you you, you have a, a whole new appreciation. And so from that day forward or that year forward, you know, we, it, it really, um, it, 
it made me uh, refocus on what was important for sure. So I understand yeah. you're you're very focused on the here <laughs> and the now and the playoffs yeah. specifically with Parker. But on the topic of the Cup Series, is that something that you have interest in moving forward? Would you entertain a move back to the Cup Series as a crew chief? Maybe. Uh, um, I I don't know. You know, you in today's time, the way that everything is, you know you got to have access to all the information. Um, you know, you got to be with a race team. That's a, that's a key partner, whether it's, it's Chevrolet or one of the other manufacturers. If you don't, it's a big struggle um, because everybody's tool, everybody's tool is the same. The race car is exactly the same. So if, unless you're getting all the information that is available to you, it's a pretty, it's a pretty rough road. And um, you know, I see that on Sundays, um, look, I have raced for a cup wins and championships. I have raced for 30th. I would rather race on Saturday and run up front like we do and have, um, you know, walk into the racetrack in the morning and, and have it mean something than to just be there. I don't want, I, I'm beyond just being there. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the battle. Like I want to race for wins and I want to race for championships. And, uh, and if that means racing on, on Saturday, then, then I'm good with that. Um, if I can put a program together where we can, we can be um, competitive on Sundays, well, then that's something that I, that, that I have interest in, but you know, I, I like racing on Saturdays and, and like I said, racing for wins and knowing that, that we, we were going to be in the battle, you know, and, and, um, and that's just, I don't know. I've, I enjoy that. You know, my kids are a little bit older, but I still, um, when I was doing it, it allowed me to be home on Sundays. And, and, uh, but now I, I like, I like being competitive and running up front. And, uh, and, and that's, that's really what's important to, to me and Scott and all these guys in the shop. So yeah, that's what we do. You mentioned your kids. I think your son Blaine does a little bit of racing himself. Mm -hmm. uh, runs at Millbridge. I think maybe some late models too. Did a little yeah. bit of Instagram stalking in preparation for yeah. this. Uh, yeah. How hands on are you in in Blaine's racing nowadays? Well, the the the, the Millbridge, the go kart, and all that is is a lot because we can do it on a weeknight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've we've run uh, some some bigger asphalt road course racing and. Um, that's a lot of work. That's like running an Xfinity car. Uh, <laughs> going to a national go-kart event is is no joke, sir. Um, but, uh, you know, the late model, um, that's something that I, I can't do. Um, you know, they race basically the same days that we're racing the Xfinity car. Um, we did some testing with them last fall, and I was able to be there. Um, and then, um, but uh, the two races that he's raced this year at Orange County, um, you know, him and his mother went. Uh, he did better than I was hoping. Um, I, you know, you, you, I say that because all at once, you know, when you do well, it makes him want to do it more. You know, he was fast enough to be qualified. I think qualified fifth, less than a 10th off the pole. The very first time he ever made a sticker run and, uh, and he, wow. and he ran good all day. And, uh, and then he went back the next time and, um, had a, had another solid day. He was a little bit too loose, but again, the first time I think I was, uh, at Indy racing and we're and uh and then the second time we're at Pocono racing so uh, I have yet to see him race um we were hoping that uh we were going to race on Saturday night at uh, Orange County it was one of the races 
Um, not sure if we're going to be able to do that or not. Uh, that was going to allow me to be there because we were racing on Friday night. But that's something that uh, I have to uh, put the funding in there and let him go with somebody else, let him go with some some people I trust. Yeah. Actually, the guy that crew chiefs for him worked for me at BK Racing, uh, J.D. Jones, and, and so I trust him. Um, he puts a puts a good car together and safe, and and I know it, it's uh, competitive for him, but uh, – yeah, my he my son enjoys it and uh and he's done he's done fairly well and uh speed is not his issue. It's uh it's racing. So um I'm, I I let him uh, uh it's something that he wants to do. I have not pushed him. He did not even want to get sit in a go-kart until he was about 16 years old. So um you know, it's been it, it it's something that he asked to do. I did not push him um because all that, that doesn't that doesn't make for very good times sure. um so uh, he's done it he went and uh he rounded up the sponsorship him and his mother to to run the races that he has already and and uh and we continue to do that so um but again it's where he goes with it i don't have that answer you know um we we're gonna let him progress and see how he does um obviously the path is is uh is is it can go a lot of different ways, but right now we're doing some those late model stock races, and and uh, and we'll we'll go on. Maybe if he does all right, we'll uh, we'll try to get him in an ARCA car next year. Um, he he really is a he he hears all the stories of my ARCA racing, and he wants he wants me to take him to Berlin, and he wants to run the road course at Watkins Glen. Those are his his goals for next okay. year. So uh, whether Dad is ready for that or not, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's uh. It's one of those things I have to deal with. Question is, will dad be the crew chief if and when that happens? Uh, you know, I don't, his mother probably would say no. Um, <laughs> Blaine likes, he likes for me to be on the radio with him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's uh, as a dad and having raced, I drove when I was a kid and until I got a little bit older, but you know, having done it as long as I can, I can watch him and I can see what's going to happen before he even yeah. does it. Yeah. And, uh, and so sometimes I can, uh, preemptive strike and, and make a comment on the radio and just, you know, say, Hey, you know, back your corner up. Or if I see him get through three and four really well, and Hey, you're carrying more speed. You need to be ready when you get to one and two. So, uh, he, he enjoys when I'm on the radio with him. Uh, I don't know that his mother likes it a whole lot, but, um, <laughs> uh, I, um, I'm getting a little bit more relaxed the more that I'm around it. Um, so, uh, I don't, I don't know. He wants me to crew chief him. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Time will tell. That's for sure. All right. Last thing for me, bringing it back to mm -hmm. the here and the now with Parker, you're headed off to yeah. Bristol this weekend. I know that's going to be a big opportunity for you guys to start your first career playoffs as a race team mm -hmm. on the right foot realistic expectations, not just for this weekend, but the playoffs in general, what are you guys shooting for? I, I mean, obviously a championship would be great, but realistically speaking, you're going to have a hard time doing that given the playoff point deficit that you guys are at. So as we get started in these playoffs and in this postseason, what are you guys shooting for? What's realistic, you think? Well, realistic, uh, you know, we've been getting better and executing better. And, and like I said, Saturday was even though we finished fourth and we've had better finishes, I thought was our best race we've had all year. Um, we had uh, Parker did amazing. Um, we probably had a little bit more pace in the car and I kept him um, informed on what was going on. We could have 
probably got maybe second uh, at Kansas. But uh, with with how well he did and how prepared he was when we went to Kansas, you know, if we keep doing that, um, there's no telling. Uh, as far as as uh, expectations, well, my expectations are to shoot for Phoenix, right? Um, realistically, we're going to have to win. Obviously, we haven't done that to this point. We've been in position. We've been up front. You, we keep putting ourselves up front. We're going to win one of these things eventually. You just don't keep running up front and not win. So, um, you know, we're going to keep um, trying to do that. Um, we haven't been to Bristol, um, obviously, with Parker. Um, we put a ton of work in it. We're going to continue to put work in it. We're going to go back to the simulator tomorrow morning and, and, and double-check some things. But, um, you know, I have planned – since last fall to be in the chase. Our race cars are lined up sitting here to go battle with these guys. Um, you know, we are uh, we are locked and loaded with equipment. Um, our cars are fresh. Our, uh, you know, we, we, we are ready to go do this. And, uh, and I've planned and continue to plan all year to be in the chase. Now, how far can we go? I don't know. We might get taken out in lap one at Bristol and that might not be our control, right? But but we're going to go race as hard as we possibly can and um, and try to to um, to go make the top eight. I think that's a realistic goal. And, uh, you know, if we can keep running up front and, and maybe win one of these things, you never know. But like. If you look back over a second half of the year, I don't think anybody uh, other than maybe John Hunter and, and uh, Austin uh, Hill have have had a better finish than finishing average than us. So. Uh, we continue to do that. I don't know how far we can go, but I can tell you we're ready to do it. Um, we're ex we're we're not exhausted. We haven't worked ourselves to death to get to the chase. Uh, I wanted to make sure that the guys were ready and and uh, and we're not walking into to Bristol on Friday morning all all uh, tired and and, uh, and you know just getting here because I've I've seen that side of it too where you just work your guts out to get to the chase and then you don't have another gear to pull we're we're ready to go um like i said we're the guys are uh, are focused um we got a, a real good plan and um you know we're sitting here the guys are working on the they just started assembling the roller car uh today so you know we are we are um uh, we got a really good plan and and uh i'm excited to see what we can do you know um we've tried to keep um our expectations in line and and i focus on um i make sure everybody you know there's there's this week there's two weeks and then there's 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 four weeks. Right. So um, the guys on, um, on the road, they focus on this week and the guys in the shop focus on two weeks and and I focus on four weeks and uh, it may be a little bit longer. But you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. it's um, we're that's been my my goal and my uh, my plan all year. So, again, we'll see really good race teams. Like I said, we're racing, you know. Uh, what five of them here in our park mm -hmm. and um and and they're good drivers they're good race teams but you know we've earned our way there we didn't limp our way in and uh and so i'm i'm glad that we we've shown that we deserve to be there so um you know i'm 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 real excited and i'm prepared i'm not nervous at all um because this is what i've always wanted this is what I, this is what we wanted as when we started the season you know parker and, and everybody sits down and says hey this is the goal Guess what? We achieved our goal. We shouldn't be nervous. Like this is what we wanted, right? Yeah. Like it, it wasn't unexpected. So we're uh, we're ready for the battle. 
We got a lot of people pulling for you, and I can't wait to see how that battle commences this weekend at Bristol and points forward. Patrick, thank you so much for the time, man. You gave me a lot of it, and I know it's been a busy week for you, and it's going to be a busy next three weeks and change for you. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you in person down there at Bristol, and go get it. Put that 48 in P1. Thanks. We're going to try. Thanks for having me. And we are back. Thank you so much to Patrick for giving us so much of his time. And I will say also, once we hung up, I was wanting to be conscious of his time. I was like, hey, man, I'll let you run. Thanks so much. And he proceeded to chit-chat with me for like 10, 15 more minutes. Uh, We talked more about BK Racing, about Big Machine, everything in between. So great to chat with Patrick. He is a man that has experienced a whole heck of a lot, has a lot of knowledge to give. So I was very appreciative that he shared some of that with us here today on the show. So thank you to Patrick. Thank you to Keith Barnwell of Big Machine Racing for helping coordinate that conversation and everybody over at BMR. Congratulations to you guys on what is an awesome, awesome playoff berth and looking forward to seeing what you guys can do with it moving forward. Time to chit chat briefly about Kansas Speedway. Overtime, green, white, checkered finish. It seemed like it was going to be Denny Hamlin's race to lose. And it was because a caution came out late for Chris Busher. That caution allowed a bunch of different, differing pit strategies. Daniel Suarez took none, stayed out. Eric Jones took two tires. A couple other drivers took two up front. Denny Hamill took four. Tyler Reddick took four. Joey Logano, one of those drivers that took two. And it winds up being the 45 and old T-Red. Red Dog ripping it up top in the middle and down low, getting past the guys on older tires and winning his way in to the round of 12. For the first time in his playoff career, by the way, that he has now officially locked his way into the second round and gotten past the first round, Denny should be fine. I think a bunch of other guys that finish up front are in a solid position, but one guy who is not that actually crashed in the first opening five laps is our regular season champ, Martin Truex Jr. Holy bejesus party, people. We could be looking at a legitimate scenario where MTJ is out in the opening round. Now, that has never happened to the regular season champ. They have always made it past the first round, actually past the second round, I believe. So we could be looking at history here as it pertains to the regular season champ, to Martin Truex Jr. and to the Cup Series playoffs. He goes into Bristol. By the way, his statistically worst racetrack, I want to say, below the cut line. He's seven points below right now after having one of the most dominant seasons of the entire Cup Series, winning the regular season championship, winning a handful of times, and now he could be legitimately on the outside looking in after 500 miles at the last great Coliseum in Thunder Valley. That is crazy, but we know this playoff format is exactly that. Crazy, wild, wacky, wonderful. It was not wacky. It was not wonderful, but... It certainly was wacky for MTJ and James Small. They ran over something. It was a puncture in their tire, and that kind of doomed their fate. Broke a toe link, took them to the garage, and they were done before their day even started. So, I don't know, man. I really don't. He's my championship pick, too. I don't know if I have faith in them being able to overcome that seven-point deficit and point their way into Bristol. The way that we've seen the playoffs going before, I feel like in a way, if they're able to just stay clean and green and maybe even finish inside the top 10 or top 15, you could let some other people shoot themselves in the foot, proverbially, and you could be sitting above the cut line. Now, 
Who knows if that will happen and how that will happen, but good news is we all get to find out together, and we'll do so this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Quadruple header, ARCA, Trucks kicking off the second round of their playoffs, Xfinity kicking off the first round of their playoffs, and Cup ending the first round of their playoffs. It all takes place on the high banks of the last great Coliseum this weekend in Bristol, baby! And that will wrap things up for episode 201 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you like what you heard here today or any other episode in the past, please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. You can do that on Apple, I believe also the Green app, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, we should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, please, please, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. We'll be back next week with another guest from the world of NASCAR, and I will be back with some hashtag takes from the weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Looking forward to the next 200 episodes with you guys. And again, thank you so much for all the feedback and the kind words, uh, especially you, Kathleen OG, uh, for last week's episode with Kyle Larson. I was really happy with how that turned out. I miss you guys last week, too. Even though I gave you an episode, I was not stateside. It was in Italy, Switzerland, and Iceland. Had a great time on vacation, but I'm glad to be back now for the stretch run of the Cup Series, and I'm ready to tackle the next eight weeks or so as we head to crown a champ in NASCAR's three series. We'll get you back here next week, party people. Be good.